everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Thursday, May 11th, and this is episode number 58 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host Skipper Ben. How's it going, Ben? So I listened to the last Park Cheese Lounge episode, and Mac was on there and talking about our foul language and his daughter not being able to listen. Yep. And so I just want to make this the shortest episode she's ever heard, so... No, not yet. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it for a little bit longer. <laughs> you got to wait for like an hour, seven minutes in. I think that's the rule. I think, he said, the I think he said I just casually drop it in. You know, I don't work as blue <laughs> as you guys, so be on your yep. toes, Mac. What you got to do is figure out exactly how long his commute to her school is so that you can drop the F-bomb <laughs> right when the principal's like poking his head in the window. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we have another voice in the room. It's the Sultan Osaki. What's up, Josh? Hi. <laughs> your, your greetings are getting better and better each time we record, Josh. You never know what you're going to get. Yes. No, I'm actually, I'm very excited. It's one of the first times in a long time we've been able to do a, a positive episode where the yes. thrust of the content is not things that we're disappointed about. So I'm actually but very happy so about fast, this But not so fast, not so fast. Actually, to, to Josh's this point. This ruse was also a ruse. <laughs> this is something, this is the uh, topic of today's show, which we will get into momentarily, uh, was something that we've... It's, I don't even want to say that it's like a great topic. It's just something that we've been wanting to do for a, for a bit and probably about six months and we just keep on putting it off for something else. So anyway, uh, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, earlier this week, Disney announced on the Disney Parks blog a series of changes that for some arbitrary reason are centering around January 9th, 2024. Most of these changes seem to indicate a reversion back to pre-COVID rules uh, <laughs> in terms of guest satisfaction and guest interaction, which, I mean, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But kind of going through all of them uh, as bullet points, uh, they are going to remove theme park reservation requirements for date-based tickets. They are going to, quote, introduce, quote, good-to-go good days for annual pass holders and cast members. Uh, and I say the quotes multiple times because they use them, and then uh, the word introducing is just vastly incorrect. But uh, bringing back our fan-favorite Disney dining plans, continuing to provide extended park time to Disney Resort hotel guests, and simplifying the Disney Genie Plus experience. <laughs> so... Bob Chapek's rolling over in his grave right now. Yes, We're simplifying the, the program with a 28-point plan that we think yes. you're going to love. <laughs> so let's go through the simplification process, which they didn't get into, mind you. Uh, so this particular post is nine paragraphs plus a graphic <laughs> that you could argue is another three – Six paragraphs. Simplification. So chapter simplification one. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Tim Grassy simplifies things, by the way, for those <laughs> keeping track at home. But let's start at the top. Removing theme park reservation requirements for date-based tickets. On paper, sounds great. Uh, a reversion back to what you had previously, uh, what we have all been historically used to. But – if you then go back to what they say for simplifying the Disney Genie Plus experience, uh, buried in paragraph nine of this post, it says that they're also going to allow advanced bookings of Disney Genie Plus ahead of your yes. trip. So some people do like that. I'm not going to uh, – I'm certainly not one of them. I think, Ben, you are. You're one that likes the advanced booking. Is that correct? Uh, you know – I mean, some people I, are serial killers, so let's not put fair. too much credence in the fact that, that there are various there, sensibilities out there. There was a part of me that definitely liked the pre-planning, uh, you know, going into the parks each of those days, knowing I had a certain, you know, a couple things uh, locked down. But 
And we've done it with advanced DAS bookings as well. So, I mean, that is a component of it, but yes. But what I'll say here, the reason I kind of like this is because the one thing I don't like is paying for a service, not, you know, not knowing if I'm going to get something uh, or or the limited number that it might come with. So to me, this comes off a bit like if you're going to buy Genie Plus, it seems like we're going back to a system where you're prepaying for it because that's that's not... uh, that's not there now. You're buying day of. But if there's pre-advanced Genie Plus bookings, I mean, that means you probably have to buy it <laughs> in advance. And if if I'm paying, you know, 20-something bucks a day for it, I, I want to I wanna get my value. And by going in, having a couple things booked before the day even starts, uh, one, I feel like I get a little bit more value for that right off the top. And also, I hope this replaces the need to get up at 7 a.m. every day and booking that first Genie Plus, but I will take that trade off, you know, any day. So here's the thing. If Genie Plus introduces some sort of advanced booking option, that advanced booking option will also have to have a specific window of time Mm -hmm. where guests can make their Genie Plus selections. Mm -hmm. So is it midnight the night before? Is it 30 days or 60 days before like it was with FastPass Plus? So, So some sort of arbitrary day is going to have to happen, and that rush will also happen. It's just a matter of whether they push that out or govern it in some other way. Now, to your point of like guaranteeing value from it, what would you need to guarantee that value for advanced booking? Is one sufficient? What is is the, uh, (laughs) what does it say in this, in the fine print of Genie Plus right now? What it's like three is what they say. And so if I go in with at least one or maybe two, uh, you know, it gets me a little bit closer to their, their just randomly, you know, made up, limited number that you're you know they they expect you to get on a daily basis so it's definitely a system that for people who know how to use it will benefit it from it greatly and that's always been the case and that's why it's so freaking flawed it is and but at the same time i'm you know gonna use it uh (laughs) to to my advantage when i can i i don't know uh I mean, I've ranted on this it, it, for so I, long. I, I do isn't, lo- isn't the it, most appropriate game? Because all of it ends up being a game, right? It's cat yeah. and mouse. It's who's best at it. Why not just go back to the game where you get to the park early? Like, is that is that really that much? That's more the most unfair? reasonable. Thing That's fine. That's fine. I, I agree too. I mean, you, you want to go early, go early. But uh, you know, to to obfuscate the rules to where it, it's it's. I just don't understand who the beneficiaries of this are actually supposed to be. The, the thing that hit me right off the bat, though, with the advanced booking, I guess, in my mind, was this takes away me having to set my alarm for 6.55 a.m. for 10 straight days on my quote-unquote vacation. Uh, if this if this is the swap for not having to do that, I'm all for it. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you know I've, I've used Genie Plus on my last two, and yes, I'm the one that gets up that early every single day to book that first pass, because if you wait, if you wait as you get closer to park open, you know, a slinky dog can already be at seven, eight o'clock at night. Uh, So you've got to follow the rules pretty closely to how they already set up. So we don't know what they're going to do, but we do know what they have done in the past. And fast pass plus with advanced bookings had significant, significant flaws, some of which they carried over to Disney genie plus. Yeah. One of those main flaws was they felt obligated to put it where it didn't belong so as to satisfy what Ben just mentioned two minutes ago, uh, getting everybody on uh, two or three Genie Plus reservations a day, even if those only saved them two minutes if those attractions otherwise didn't have the service. Yeah. Where this has been most efficient, 
uh, has been at Disney uh, has been at Disneyland, where Genie Plus and Max Pass effectively have been the most efficient versions of any Fast Pass system. And the reason why that is is they have a lot more rides there in close proximity to one another, but also they limit access to when you're when you've checked into the park. And for me, yeah. that's the that's the key here to make this work where you don't have that 7 a.m. rush, uh, that you have to be in the park to actually do it. I think that is what's necessary. I don't know how it, much we want to harp on this, but because we've done it before. We've, we've had this yeah. argument with FastPass Plus. It, it is. Uh, I will say, you know, I did do Genie Plus at Disneyland, and that is huge. Uh, we didn't get there necessarily at park open, but the, by the time you get there, even if it's like 10 a.m., everything's still available. Yeah. And so, no, the, the, the way Disneyland does it is the way everybody should be doing it. But uh, until Florida gets their act together. Yeah. I guess Florida also needs more rides. That's another component here. Like let's not take away the other problem here that three of the four parks need more rides in them that justify the purchase of it. Because the one thing I think this is going to help Disney with is when they switched it to day of purchase, we skipped it some days. Uh, yeah, Epcot and yeah. Animal Kingdom days. So if they're going to have it be a prepay option, perhaps as like the equivalent of a park hopper and more option on your date-based ticket, then that's going to get them a little bit more revenue and guaranteed revenue on a day where somebody that had already used it three days and thinks, hey, maybe I don't need this at Epcot. Maybe I don't need this at Animal Kingdom. So that's another factor at play here. Do you guys have any thoughts as to why January 9th of 2024? Uh, it's the Mayan calendar, I think. There's a <laughs> okay. comet coming in on the 10th, and I think they're trying to get ahead of that. Okay, so that ma- that makes some sense. Yeah. I wonder if there... <laughs> I wonder if there's going to be sacrificing virgins at the Mexico <laughs> Pavilion on the 10th. <laughs> I wonder if they're seeing light bookings early uh, 2024. And this I mean, that's, uh, that's very likely, yeah, right after the holiday. What day of the week is the 9th? Tuesday. Okay, then I have nothing. <laughs> I, I'm not optimistic. I, mean, I actually looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, me being autistic may be up for debate, but <laughs> I didn't doubt at all that that was correct. That's a funny thing. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think uh, the majority of people going in the summer probably have their stuff already booked at this point. The yeah. fall, they already have their events with uh, not so scary and in the, the Christmas party. There's things already to get people to come in. Then, uh, yeah, this comes after the holidays when it's typically a dead time. It's probably a little bit lighter crowds outside of the ho- uh, the marathon weekend, so they can work through issues a little bit easier than implementing in the middle of the summer during their heaviest, you know, some of their heaviest time, and obviously doing it after the holiday where it's super busy. So. Right now, you can't buy a date-based ticket that starts on January 9th. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. It, it's very possible that this was, all right, this is as far out as we can be. If you've got December 31st as your start date for a ticket, uh, I don't know who, what sadistic person would do that. But <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got December 31st as a start date for your ticket, and it's a 10-day ticket, that will bring you to like January 13th because you get extra days. Um, there may be some logic there. But the other thought that I had is could they actually be rolling Genie Plus back into the ticket price and not have it be a separate purchase? Because no. if they're far enough out, I mean, that's no. how they that's how we kind of treated it, right? So if they know definitively that it's got similar usage to FastPass Plus, that why not charge, like say 70% of the guests use it. I'm picking a completely arbitrary number. But let's say that that's the case and 71% of FastPass Plus users uh, guests used it for for that purpose. Maybe they look at it as on the heels of 
the Christmas to New Year's week when the prices are up, we can use that as a starting point for 2024 tickets, where those, that's the most expensive week of the year to start your date-based tickets. They can kind of carry it forward into January. Just a hypothetical, but if I was to roll it back in, that's how I would do it. But doesn't part of them like ha- having like these individual columns for all these different things to say this is the revenue Bob generated? Bob likes having those things. Well, even though – I don't know. It seemed like – Well, they might Iger's actually – not, but yeah, go, I think, go ahead. I, I apologize for interrupting, but as you guys were both talking, it occurred to me that I have a theory. If <laughs> Disney is planning on changing how they report, then that could be a part of that. Because yeah, that, that's possible. one thing a company – especially because the parks division took a hit this quarter yeah. over quarter analysis. One of the – like Microsoft is the best at this. They report things year over year, but they change what it is from one year yeah. to the yeah. next. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it makes no sense at all. And it's – I mean, if you were – an insider, I don't even know if you could really unravel it to make sense. But as an outsider, you really can't. But it somehow still complies with all the SEC regulations as to what they have to report. So maybe that's <laughs> yeah. part of it. Maybe they're just want to uh, – maybe they're looking to hide the dirty laundry a little better than they are now by breaking it out separately. And I could believe be. that's Q2 for them. That's uh, That might be the start yeah, of probably Q2 because October, October 1st is the start of their yeah. fiscal year. So. That might be that might be simply it that they can launch it the start of Q two so they can have yeah. those year over year scumbags. Uh, <laughs> we could we could probably do and we have done another hour on Disney Genie Plus and the various line skipping things. I don't really want to do that. No, <laughs> Ben. No. Uh, so they they said introducing good to go days for annual pass holders and cast members. So they've started to have a lot more of these where you don't need a reservation at Epcot or Animal Kingdom on a lot of days to try to drive annual pass holders to those parks. Ben, you actually got an annual pass during the mad rush. Uh, How long did it take you to get that? (laughs) Uh, So it started going on sale at 5 5 a.m. Central. It was 6 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Central. Uh, So I signed in at 4.45 in the morning. started getting everything set up. Right at 5 (laughs) a.m., I got greeted with the uh, website being down. Uh, It crashed. Uh, So I sat refreshing it for nearly two hours before I said, look, I almost said the F word there to get Max Kidd not to listen anymore, but I'll say, screw this. Um, I said, screw this. Went back to sleep, set my alarm for every hour. I did that for like three or four hours, and every time waking up, it was crashed. And it was finally 10 a.m. Central Time before they started the virtual queue. So they were not going to do virtual queue at all. Uh, and they decided out of nowhere to start virtual queue, 10 a.m. Central, so 11, 11 East, and got in the virtual queue. That took about 45 minutes, and by 11 a.m., I had bought my ticket. So we started at 5 a.m., and six hours later, I had uh, annual What passes. have you learned and, from this experience? <laughs> <laughs> it was miserable, man. Disney's so website bad. can't handle traffic it over can't. people. Wake up at 10.15 and have the same result. Yeah. Oh, well, but the problem is, is the last time they've gone on sale, these things, you know, they've kept it open for like an hour or two. Like none of us knew how Yeah, long you didn't know how long it was going to go, but you would, could go on right now and buy an annual pass. Yeah, but they're the, available. The, <laughs> the previous two open windows were hours and it was gone and they yeah. shut it down and it was years before they would open it again. So, I mean, I was scared to death every time I went back to sleep with my alarm set being like, what if they happen in this hour and they're gone? Like they, 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 
gave out so little information on how many were available, how long it'd be open. So this so and that. controlling scarcity can go in the column of things that Disney is doing well. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah, least yeah. with regard to their APs. own ineptitude of their website that they spent hey, $2 billion It's better be lucky than good, buddy. <laughs> yep. So, uh, but so yeah, you got um, your AP and, and do you even have a trip planned that would necessitate the AP? We got 10 days in June. Okay. So, okay, so that's fine. Uh, but th- that is one of the weird deals where we're trying What's to What's the break-even point for an out-of-state AP right now? <sighs> Two trips it, of six days or more. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like I, when, I just, when we go. Tim is like ChatGPT. ChatGPT. <laughs> I was looking this stuff up this week. So okay, I'm like that's really upsetting. <laughs> and so what what we do is we go. It used later. to be two trips of four days or more. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So it's like our eleventh or twelfth day is where we're where we're even and. We we do our whenever we buy a new AP we go late enough in the summer that we can go early enough the next summer we don't have to worry about tickets yeah so we'll work that's in a, like, that's the way to do it yeah we do like two, two trips of, of ten days each and then oftentimes during this we'll find like a long weekend where we can go yeah if you uh, get a third one uh, in October yeah and you go for two days and you get a couple more in there so uh, yeah we we definitely we only buy them when we know we're going to be able to work two trips in to justify the cost. And that's that's kind of the conversation that's going on in the grassy household where if we can do something where they're 11 months apart or even 11 months and two weeks apart, that's what we would probably do yeah. uh, to justify it. And then you don't buy one and you do the same thing 11 months from the second trip. Yeah. So. And so so with that, we're staying. Uh, we have we have enough DVC points to stay uh, at Saratoga for half our trip. And then we're staying at. Uh, Port Orleans Riverside for the other five days. So with that, having a resort stay, we don't have to worry about the AP reservation, uh, park reservations. That, those are all lumped in with your resort reservation. Oh, that, yeah, that helps. So, yeah. so that helps there. Because the annual pass holders are limited to five. Yeah. But again, if you're doing a trip for more than five and it's during non-peak time, those uh, – what I don't remember what they referred to them prior to the good-to-go days – They've basically become available for every day at yeah. Epcot and the Animal Kingdom, and I think one day a week at the studios. So that's probably the day to avoid the studios, but Epcot and the Animal Kingdom, it should be a non-issue. Um, do you guys ever do the dining plan? No. Either of you? No. Have you ever done it? Nope. No. Nope. I've done it once, and it's it was included with, I believe, a stay at French Quarter where we were paying for a moderate and got the full dining plan. So that was where the value came in. Mm-hmm. But uh, to actually pay for it now at this point, I'm not sure that the value is there. It really is just a convenience. It's a convenience. It. And, you know, with with the trips that my wife books, that's what it is. It's, they're, yeah. they're not looking to save money. They're looking to be able to know this is how much we're spending on food before we ever go. Uh, and they like to have that all prepaid up front. Um, so... Right. Now, it's not something we ever done and don't plan on doing either. So do we have anything else on these January 9th, 2024 changes? Not on that. I did like from the uh, investment call today that Iger did reference they were listening to the guests, uh, and these changes reflect the feedback that they've gotten from the guests. So I'd like to see those surveys and those guests <laughs> they've talked to for, for these to be the changes. Gary sends me like one survey a week, and uh, I, I am not kind, and I don't know that any of my complaints have been reflected in those. But <laughs> I will say from the uh, the the earnings call today, the thing that stuck out to me, not that I want to harp on that because there's other stuff on there that we talked about and don't want to get into here again. But the fact that their you know, domestic parks were down during this period they were reporting on while 
what, a week ago or two weeks ago, Comcast reported like record profits again to their domestic theme parks? <laughs> yes, yes. Interesting. Just saying. That's interesting. So speaking of competitors and whatnot, the, uh, the assignment for today was to come up with a ride based on a recent non-Disney movie to be added to an existing Disney theme park. <laughs> and we had <laughs> some ideas on this. And uh, Ben, why don't, why don't you kick us off with your idea? Okay. So this was a fun one. Clerks. I'm glad we finally got around to this project. I wanted to put something in Epcot because, I mean, you said earlier, the, the parks need more attractions, and Epcot mm-hmm. does, and I think they need more family-friendly stuff. I think they were on the right path with what they were going to do with Mary Poppins. Um, but, you know, with everything getting cut, and but now Iger saying they're looking to invest in the parks, I hope they revisit that and put some, you know, smaller attractions back in that park to kind of break up the demand at the, the big e-tickets they have there. So uh, I was looking over in world nature yep. and with Moana's uh, journey of water coming, uh, you get the land over there. You know, you've got, you've got some of the stuff, you got water represented, you get the land represented, but you don't have the air represented. Okay. And so I mean, my, soaring, but, <laughs> but it's in the land. Like, I think this needs to be its own. There, there's okay. even with that one, it's like, you're going over land you're you're like this it's not a devoted to the sky this is you're kind of looking down on stuff you're looking at stuff that's you know put the land this needs to be something that good you save just kind of, you gotta <laughs> set sail you're, you're looking to the blue sky above yep and so the ip i went with was top gun maverick okay and horrible I, movie by the way I, I don't know what people are watching when they saw that movie i watched it for the first time last week it sucked oh yeah i mean it's just the highest grossing movie by a mile last year but whatever were all the idiots Okay, Josh, whatever. I I, I didn't (laughs) say that people didn't pay to see it. I said it sucked. (laughs) I thought it was fantastic. And I want to live that world. I wanna be a I wanna be a top gun pilot. And you you would like to take a highway to the danger zone. I would. I would. (laughs) I think the best way to do that is uh you know, one of the biggest the best things added to the Magic Kingdom in the last decade was the double spinner. This is a guy that drives a minivan to work in the right lane doing five below speed. (laughs) Sir, can I can I can I get my idea out, Josh? Please come on. Okay, okay. Okay. The, the double spinner Dumbos, uh, okay, and how efficient those attractions are. So I'm bringing a I'm bringing a spoke attraction like that. You're putting jets on the end of each one of those arms, <laughs> and you are flying jets around World what Nature at Epcot. It's amazing. What do you think I about love Tomorrowland. It. You're being Tomorrow, ridiculous. They've got enough stuff. <laughs> they've got enough things. Um, so you know, I mean, you're, you're you're Maverick. You get to live that life. You 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 get to be those characters. You're flying through the sky. I'd put some like smoke machines around to like simulate clouds going up and okay. around you. Uh, kind of just fill that area. But it, I think it brings a family attraction to Epcot that's missing, and it brings something that represents you know the sky to the world nature area of the park. Pretty no brainer like to me. Thanks. What I mean. You going with Top Gun Maverick kind of seals my thunder because I also went with Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I did <laughs> no too. Way. That's the crazy no thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, instead of putting it at Epcot, though, I, I said California Adventure, specifically the Grizzly okay. Peak section. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm demoing a lot, though. We got to get okay. rid of the Grizzly Peak recreational area. No problem. Goofy Sky School and yep. like ha- half of the Grand California. So we need uh, Tom Cruise doing the uh, introduction for the test mission. And because it's Tom <laughs> like Cruise... It. I need him to come in on a motorcycle into the pre-show room. <laughs> nice. Okay. So uh, what I want to do, it's a little bit more ambitious than yours. I want uh, an F-18 Super Hornet themed wing coaster 
or or better yet, like one of those multi-dimensional coasters like X2. Yeah, it's mm, a good one. Yeah, and we're going to just set up a mountain range that kind of goes through that entire corridor. It'll actually look pretty good for the part uh, for the remaining part of the Grand Californian that we leave yeah. as just like a backdrop. But uh, you're going to have that like underground facility in a small valley surrounded by mountains that you just need to. We're going to do a Star Wars. So okay. it's going to do a flip over. There's going to be an explosion underneath you as they do in the final sequence of the movie. Do you hit Mach 8? Yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean he's going to go into uh, uh, how uh, the, the pressures that are, you're going to feel on, nice. this, on this attraction and how realistic that can be, obviously. But yeah, I, I think it, having explosions along the way, perhaps having uh, near hits with other, uh, with other planes kind of intersecting your track, uh, you could have those surface-to-air missiles uh, launching at you. I really just think that this could be a, well, a hell of a lot of fun. And you're going extreme e-ticket here. So yeah. if you're demoing enough of... Uh, Budget $2.5 If you're demoing enough of the Grand Californian, though, you probably have space to put my spinner attraction in there as well. You know, they, sure like, to, they like to double up. Uh, you know, <laughs> split the costs amongst both coasts, and that way you have something for the family, the kids to do while the adults are doing this extreme e-ticket that I can't wait to ride. Yeah. So, Josh, Josh you come up what's with? What's yours, Josh? So, I also picked Top Gun Maverick, but <laughs> I, unlike you guys, I'm introducing the first O-ticket experience at Walt Disney <laughs> World, where you actually get to bang Jennifer Connelly. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, are you want to explain that to Max's daughter? It's cute that you can actually uh, <laughs> the, the you think that you'd be uh, able to satisfy an O ticket. Well, I didn't say I would satisfy. I, oh, I okay. received the O ticket. I'm not giving the O ticket. Oh, okay, that's fair. Nobody receives o- better than Josh. Yeah, over savings. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not sure I want that. Hang on. <laughs> okay, it's true. <laughs> so, uh, full disclosure: we did not tell Josh that we were doing this. Give um, it to me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is so we- uh, ra- Josh randomly just took down the movie Top Gun Maverick in our uh, text chain the other night, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim and I devised a plan in a separate chat. <laughs> yes. Little so, did they know I would play along. <laughs> yeah, you didn't we didn't get quite the reaction we wanted, but the actual topic <laughs> of today's show Welcome to my world. <laughs> Uh, is something we're calling we uh, you didn't have to, but you did. And since we uh, just shot on Josh, Josh, you want to kind of explain this concept? Yeah, so the general idea is looking at the parks either as they are now or probably, I think in most cases, more likely how they were when they were built, things that the company did that were so far above and beyond what was normally expected of a theme park that was that looking back on it, we're like, holy crap, they really went above and beyond and did something special there. Does that pretty much sum it up? Yeah, I think there are just la- layers of detail that yep. you that you wouldn't notice on the first through 20th times or something, or you might notice it, but it was something that you, they didn't have to do. You didn't know that you were missing it, that sort of thing. Right. So a, a great example of this is probably the river of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like th- as a detail that most people, unless they're told it, they don't think anything of that. And then when they're told what it is, like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And they did it subtly enough that it doesn't take away from anything yet fits thematically with the land. So, right. Ben, why don't, why don't you kick us off with one of them? Oh, do I have to? I'm terrible at this. Okay. Joshua. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I can go for it. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. So, Mine, I think, will elicit somewhat of a laugh from you, too, but it is because I've talked about it before, but I think I'm going to explain it in a way they could defend it. And it is the TTA. Okay. And the reason I bring it up is because... Josh it, really nailing the objective here. <laughs> unless my intellect, unless my, uh, you know, 
I, I might just not be aware of something, but I can't think of any park, at least in the United States, other than the Magic Kingdom, where you don't park at the park. You don't park your car at the park. <laughs> and I think that by creating that extra layer of separation between the real world. Can't wait for a transportation show. <laughs> Mom and dad's car when you, you know, you take a monorail or a boat. I, I think that, that really separates the real world from the park in such a way that it's easier to suspend disbelief. I think it makes it, it's kind of disorienting to guests, but in a good way because it, it, it puts you in a place where you're not really, you're never on an attraction where you see, Oh, there's our car. And that's something that for me, as someone who grew up in Florida, I didn't really appreciate as a child because that was the theme park I went to first and it was the theme park I went to the most. But I remember very succinctly going to Bush Gardens, which as far as theming goes, is actually pretty good compared to a lot of other yeah. parks in the country. It has its spots that are better than others, but yeah, it definitely does. It does. But if you go on like – and this is not really time consistent, but is it uh, – boy, I can't even remember the name of it. Montu, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a coaster that's at the corner of the park. I think some of the supports actually go into what used to be parking spaces. And mm-hmm. even though as a whole, it's a themed area, your view line is certainly includes a lot of things that are not themed. And you don't really ever see that or you see it <laughs> certainly back then. You really didn't ever see that. And I, I think that that sort of commitment to storytelling, even when it represents a massive cost and inconvenience to the company, but they're so committed to creating a separation between reality and the escapism that they're providing to me, that's the sort of thing that really set the Disney parks apart from everything that ever came before them. And uh, to me, that's sort of a silly example because when you look at the TTA itself, it's kind of a shitty rundown building. You know, it's not, it's not a particularly nice place, but the, you mean the, the TTC? I'm sorry. You said TTA. I don't know yeah, what the hell you you're saying. You didn't say TTA. Oh, I'm so sorry. I meant the TTC. Start Jeez. the show over. Stop the recording. No, we're keeping all It's gold. Oh, goodness. Jerry, I'm telling you, it's gold. <laughs> My acronyms. <laughs> I meant the TTC. Do you even like Disney? Forgive <laughs> uh, <laughs> me. I see. I had the TTC on a list, though, but it was on my. You didn't have to, but why did you? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this note so long ago. I just read it. Didn't even think about it. Uh, my apologies, but yeah, I'm talking about the transportation and ticket center. We, we, uh, I knew, I knew, we knew that. We, I Josh's just favorite to... ride is a parking lot tram. <laughs> Actually, you know, that's one that never would have made the list until they stopped using them, and then people were like, "WTF, man!" But that's pretty much all I have to say about that. But I, basically, you could Thanks, lump Forrest. anything. I think that's just an example of layers of storytelling that are clearly an expense and an inconvenience, but there was somebody had the courage to say it's worth spending money on this, even though it's not going to generate any incremental revenue. It's just going to create a better experience. And to me, that's, that's yeah. the purity that those parks really had in the beginning and arguably still do. So speaking of things that won't uh, make any incremental uh, value to, to, the, the bottom line there, um, the Rapunzel bathrooms are on my list that same way. Uh, <laughs> in a weird way, it is. Uh, you know, okay. I, I'd like to be in that meeting. They were like, you know, we're going to put bathrooms right over here. And they could have just put bathrooms. They could have, but they went all out with the theming on that thing to where it's now actually one of the most popular photo spots in the Magic Kingdom are outside those bathrooms. They have photo pass <laughs> out there with the lanterns. They... True. Uh, the bathrooms are amazing on the inside. <laughs> they get the wanted posters. They carry they carry the 
the story of Rapunzel all the way to the crappers. It's going to be great when they remove it to Small World and make that a tangled themed area. But oh, in geez. a world in a world where Disney has cut, 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 cut from new stuff, how they figured out how to spend money to make those things way better than they ever had any right to be. Uh, Still took them two you years know, to build. They gave them a five-year time period to build them, <laughs> I think, is the compromise. They it took just as long as Tron to build those things. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, in, in the same way you talk about the river of uh, shit going through Liberty Square. Language, a- dude. Jeez, come on. Come on. Think about Max kids. I mean, no, don't. <laughs> I didn't mean that in a weird way. Uh, no, I'm I, kind of joking, but kind of not. Like, the, the, these are, they went all out on some bathrooms and they didn't have to go as hard as they did. And they did. That was their response to like, all right, what themed, highly themed thing can we replicate from Harry Potter? I was going to say, know. that was their response to the, to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. What if we had like hyper-themed <laughs> shitters? <laughs> all right, I got a, I got a serious one. Well, not serious, but like a, a real one. Uh, Rise of the Resistance. Ours Rise of the weren't? Resistance. What did you say? No, there weren't. Uh, the, TT, the TTA wasn't? TTA slash TTC. <laughs> I got to check my list now. What else have I spelled wrong on here? The the Rise of the Resistance pre-show, the shadows moving around the room when you're in the holding cell. Yeah. It's it's a great effect. Certainly didn't need to do it, but it absolutely enhances that scene, the ominous nature of that scene. And that that to me was one of the first things that I thought of when we had this assignment. The just uh, For anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, in that sequence where... Uh, you're being detained in the uh, prison area, and Kylo comes in. You've got stormtroopers, Hux, and um, Kylo pacing back and forth. And it's all a projection, but they have shadows from that projection going on the ceiling uh, as well. And it really just is a, is a well-executed effect, an integration of two different projection systems. Agreed. Right, next. Agreed. <laughs> well, I'm sold. <laughs> Josh, what, what do you have? What uh, acronyms do you want to mess up? So the next one I have is kind of a very minor one, and I will admit right off the bat, I don't even know if it's actually true. I've looked and not been re- really able to confirm it, but it certainly is an urban legend. And okay. that is that on Main Street, which progresses chronologically from old to more modern, that if you look at various places where screw heads are visible and like door jams and other places oh, yeah. that that it progresses from standard slotted screws to Phillips head screws at a time appropriate point. And I will tell you, I've, I've kind of looked for this and I've seen some places where it seems to support it and other places where it doesn't, but it's really hard to know whether or not that's because this whole thing is bullshit. That was never true or if screws have just been replaced. <laughs> it for may, well may have been true at one point and they're just like, yeah, no, nope. exactly. But I'd like to think that it was true. And I just, I'm pretty sure the lampposts follow suit, don't they? They do. Yeah. yeah. Which is in I, itself I, a detail. But agreed. And I just I just think that because it is something – to me, the thing that makes it worth mentioning is that, like you said earlier, most people would never notice it on their first or 20th visit. Right. It's so minor. It clearly is – It's we talk so much about this company grabbing for cash. And these are things that are just the opposite of that. Like they're done to create delight or to create some – just to make something special. Like just because they could. Like how – neat can we make it and uh, to me that's a uh, that is the sign of a piece of art rather than something that is just designed to make money it's the nonlinear storytelling that we like uh yeah. in this case it actually kind of has a linear component to it but true <laughs> the, the linear the idea non-linear, is, linear storytelling are are why, why are these choices being made right and 
and that's that's why I mean my favorite Imagineer historically has been Joe Rody because I thought he was very good at this where he clearly he, cared he, about the authenticity he, he, he of what he did. He cared about things and I always call back to an Instagram post where he does nine paragraphs on a vent that's out of place in Animal Kingdom Lodge and you know that like every time he walks by that vent it, it kills him. him. Yeah. Because it takes him out of it. So those are the things that we say make Disney feel like home to us because they go through that extra layer of, all right, this is here for a reason, even if 99.99% of guests don't recognize it consciously, it just helps bring you into the story. So mm-hmm. anyway, I agree completely. Ben, what do you got? Oh, and that kind of, I think I was the one that pitched you guys this idea uh, once ago, and it was based around this, this idea from mine. Uh, when I was a kid getting those VHS <laughs> tapes of your, you know, yearly Disney planning vacation and seeing all the new rides and new attractions and stuff. But the, one of the things that just always piqued my interest was pleasure Island uh, okay. and having those clips on there from the adventurers club and, and knowing like, I just, I want to go to this place. And so finally when we went for the very first time, um, it, you know, it, it was an Island full of nightclubs and bars and that's all it needed to be. But that's not what the Imagineers went with. Uh, right. I, you know, in the in the late 80s, Michael Eisner wanted to compete with Church Street Station in downtown Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and their, yeah. that was his pitch to him. Like, I want something that keeps people from going there. And so the Imagineers came up with Pleasure Island. And you know what? They could have just based that on Pinocchio easily. But did they? No, they didn't. They created this whole backstory around the Pleasure family and created a car- uh, character, Meriwether Adam Pleasure, that that dated back to the 1920s is when all the structures on this Island were built. And every single one of those buildings had a backstory to it. And there were plaques on the walls where you could read the story, what this plate, you know, the, 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 we used to always go eat at the fireworks factory. And there was the plaque out there describing that while it's a, while it's a restaurant now, it was where they manufactured pyrotechnics back in the thirties for parties and celebrations that they would have on the Island. And every single building had its own story when it did not need to have its own story. And it just shows that level of uh, thought and care that the Imagineers put into this area, uh, I, I I love those ideas because you know Eisner didn't go to that group and say this is what I want. This was him saying, "I want a way to make money. <laughs> I want yep. bars and nightclubs. You guys have at it." And they sat in a room and just created a world. And that that's the kind of stuff when I was a kid, just completely pulled me into the Disney you know uh, bubble. <laughs> this this was pulling you into the bubble. This was making you think that the place that you're at. Um, while it had only been built for like two years, had been there for, you know, 80, 70, 80 years. Uh, that's the stuff that I miss. I don't feel like we get a ton of that now. Now it's, you know, we, we, we do get the IP attractions. We you get do, the- but they're linked to IP. So there yeah. are examples yeah. of this, but it's not the stuff created out of whole cloth, which has been so much of our consistent complaining on this show. Yeah. That the ideas, those backstories that get created out of nothingness, is yeah obviously i think avatar uh galaxy's edge are both there uh and i hope we get more of that stuff in the future but uh, there was a there was a run where it wasn't to that level and no no you know i just i going into the adventurers club the first time and learning everything about that you know we got the adventurers club by itself could be its own thing on this list but that was just a small part of uh this overall experience that 
Uh, you know, I, I've talked about it before. And I wish it was still there. I miss it. I loved Pleasure Island. I loved going there every night with, you know, get done with the parks and head down to Pleasure Island and go hang out and do stuff. You go to the, go to the, uh, you know, New Year's party every night. But the thought that that, that was just the, the impetus of kicking off this project was just sitting back and thinking like what they did with Pleasure Island and the, the thought and effort that they put into it. Uh, just something that you don't see as much as you, you know, these days as you used to back then. So my Disney touring basically completely missed Pleasure Island. And I think part of it, too, is that it didn't last long enough for me to come back to Disney and for it to still be there, which just kind of sucks. So I never experienced the Adventurers Club. And I know it was one of your favorite places. I'm completely serious. The only real experience (laughs) I had were the... uh, This is... This reminds me of the moment where Ben told me that he 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 bought into the DVC. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I feel like you have to suffer. <laughs> the, uh, the the comedy uh, uh, the the comedy warehouse players doing things outside of the comedy warehouse. That's really my only experience with so I, the Pleasure Island group. I don't know if you guys want this, but I'm happy to uh, convert some and put them up in the group. I on my old computer was just, I was actually looking for some old photos and came across files. When I worked on the college program, those three years, literally the first thing I would, I would, I would land, I would go check in at Vista way. Then I would take a bus over to uh, downtown Disney or whatever they were calling it at the time. And the first thing I would do was use my cast. ID to, yeah. That too. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would, uh, I did that at Walgreens, not at, uh, downtown. but, um, <laughs> damn it, Josh. <laughs> I, I would go down there and the first thing I would do is I would buy a season pass to Pleasure Island so I could get in because they they would have cast member nights they were Sunday and Thursday but I wanted to go every single night and during those time periods I was there I would take a camera in and I would film the uh, Comedy Warehouse so I have dozens and dozens and dozens of full shows from the Comedy Warehouse that oh, yeah, uh, definitely. maybe I'll post some of those up on the uh, Marty Called Facebook group uh, in our Patreon, I think is where we're going to put that. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. I think I charged. I think, I think I charged <laughs> these DVDs back in the day on Inside the Magic, but I'll give it to you guys for free. Hmm. You're spoilers. <laughs> you mean just us, though, not our listeners, right? No. <laughs> screw those. Screw them. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to uh, what Josh said about Main Street because there's similar chronology taking place in Liberty Square into Frontierland, and the focal point of this one is the the shutters that start in Liberty Square and how those shutters are hung as you get deeper from Liberty Square to Frontierland where you go from uh, from like different types of strapping to actually being fastened to the uh, the facades of the of the properties so uh, just something to be mindful of as you walk down you've got some that are kind of uh, bowed out angled because that's how uh, shutters were on previously where they'd be tied with uh, with like a leather strap. So just another gotcha. small detail in that same vein. Uh, Valentine's Day is flashing back through my mind. The leather straps? <laughs> yes. That was a fun night. <laughs> While we're I'm on so Main restrained. Street. I've I never also- felt so safe, yet also so scared. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on Main Street, I don't know, is the phone still there that where what would be the bakery now? I can't they've done so much stuff on the uh east side of Main Street, but there was the phone that you could pick up and you 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 put the yeah receiver to your ear and there was conversations going on that were all party the, line you know yeah the the time period uh i just remember just get loving always go over there and i always had to pick up that phone and take a listen for a little bit yeah that sort of stuff is pretty awesome yep 
I've got a lot of stuff that's like in the parks themselves. Did you guys have anything? I don't know. Maybe not necessarily a physical thing, but perhaps I, more I in line with like the TTC type stuff that Josh is talking about. Yeah. So I'll just throw one out there. That's it's a throwaway that doesn't really deserve a whole lot of conversation. I don't think, but just the hidden Mickey concept. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and all of the derivatives of it that have come along, even including like sources of the magic kingdom and things, but just like little, little throwaway minor things that are there really for people who have been there before. And I think this whole idea of rewrite, rewrite and revisitability makes sense both from a business perspective and also from continuing to delight guests. And it's really in line in my mind with Walt's idea that, you know, these parks were supposed to be a place that the kids and the parents could have fun together. Yeah. And that's sort of something that both can enjoy. But I, I do think that avoiding monotony and just having it be, uh, you know, the same experience every time is a great way to make it more easy for parents to swallow what ended up being an incredibly big price tag to go experience yeah. these things. <laughs> you know, I think giving back in those little ways goes a long way toward justifying the incredible expense of what this place has become. I, I had a hidden Mickey on mine specifically on, you know, to that idea, but the, uh, the large hidden Mickey that they made as they built the, uh, Disney MGM studios, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. one, uh, when I first, you know, I think we went there two or three times before I found out like that's a hidden Mickey, that Lake over there is one ear and the, this over here is another, and there's the eyes that you're standing on. I just remember being, you know, as a kid, just blown away, like, holy crap, they, that's a huge hidden Mickey. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and they've done it with the tree farm. They've done it with the, yeah. uh, the, that wasn't the solar actually the panels. Company, though. That, that was a group of individuals, though. Yeah, but that kind of stuff I love. Like, the, yeah, the idea of flying over property, and there's these, these large Mickeys that you have to be at such a, a vantage point to be able to see and make out. Love those I think those trees like died. I, I'm not sure that's still there anymore. But. <laughs> I, think, I think it is, is it not? Uh, I got I got a computing device right here. I might fire up the old Google Earth and see if we can yeah. figure it out. I thought I read that that was no longer visible. Now the solar panels are now, which maybe have taken that spot. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's something that I included in kind of like the value added thing. And yeah. it really is more. I just wanted to mention it because it pisses me off that it's gone now. When annual passes uh, back in the day got photo pass added to it for free, yeah. uh, it was something that I don't think that anybody specifically asked for, but it was a nice perk, and they've since nice taken perk. it away. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a uh, positive show. Positive show. Positive show. Blending the Tower of Terror into the background of Morocco. There you go. Yep, There's a positive fantastic. thing. That's a fantastic um, one. You guys. So we you, we talked about some of the newer additions do you guys have anything related to say something built in the last 10 years uh, uh no <laughs> this, this is me feeding it because that's where a lot of mine are i was trying to go that route i, I one, can go i go ahead, go ahead. Go. i was gonna say before you get into the 10 years the one that i don't think it's a lot of respect you know it's it's something that's popular it sells out during the summer it's it's uh, people love it for the rides and attractions, but I don't think Blizzard Beach gets the respect it deserves as far as like a themed area that as I love the, it for the irony. It is. Yeah. But I mean, th there's not a piece of that land that is not specifically themed to that idea and concept. They did. They did not spare an inch in that place of not trying to convince you. That's what she said. That yeah, of the uh, the snowstorm <laughs> that happened, the then in the melting away of the snow and the res I mean, it, I love every 
inch of uh of blizzard beach <laughs> i'm definitely going to be cutting that into a drop <laughs> <laughs> you like the technology to pull that off ben yeah. loves every inch <laughs> show title i do <laughs> i do uh I just think it gets overlooked as far like when, when you talk about a Galaxy's Edge and how well themed that is and then Avatar like they did a pretty damn good job, you know, 20, 20 years ago on a water park uh, with bringing, a, again, an original idea, original, original concept. Idea, that's, yeah. that's we miss those things. We love those things. And they did a good job with Typhoon Lagoon, but they went above and beyond when it came to the the history, the 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 the, the lore and the legend of what happened on this piece of land that created this water park. Uh <laughs> that again, it could just be a water park. It could be wet and wild. They didn't do it. They 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 went the uh, the more difficult route, and I think it pays off to this day. That is still just a very cool place to go to. I have another confession to make. Oh God, I've You've never, never been, been to, to I've oh, never oh been to Blizzard God. Beach. <laughs> I've How never been you, there either. I've driven by it though. How do you have multiple podcasts and you had a <laughs> website? WDW. Oh, uh, I guess I it was WDW. Theme park. backyard was a water park. I do yeah, like you, you like qualify it like Derek Bergen, where where you don't think a water park's a theme park, but Derek thinks I agree. A, a water park's. A I theme don't think park, a water park. So I don't think a water park is a theme park. <laughs> so interesting uh, side note to WDW theme parks. One of the things I was trying to do in the last year, we were working with a uh, uh, a web developer. We didn't actually have pages built out for Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach, and I had basically prepped all of the pages for all the attractions and shops, etc. But for whatever reason, I couldn't get her to hard code the water parks as anything different than a theme park, and that's not how <laughs> I wanted it to appear. So I don't know that they ever appeared on the site unless you actually knew the direct URL to the various pages. How so. many how many users that use your site are just pissed off when they get there? Like, I didn't know there's a water park. God damn it. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> we're going to like the complaints. Hey, Tim, of, hey, Tim, Tim. Yep. Go to Blizzard Beach one day. Okay. So the my talk saying to him that, that way that I, that I want <laughs> things that aren't tied to an IP. Ben has now listed two IP free IP freely uh, IP <laughs> exempt areas that were that were there and are currently there that I have not experienced. So I am not. Practicing what I preach, basically. <laughs> and that does go back. I guess I, I set that on my list a lot. Like the the IP sometimes can be easy because you just mm-hmm. have so much already to go off of. And I, there's just a level of respect I have for uh, those areas that were just a blank sheet of paper and you had to start from yeah. scratch to come up with an idea. And they did a great job on several of those things. Josh, what do you have for? It doesn't have to be the last ten years. I threw that out there, but clearly I was yeah. Ep- well, I'm that category. Yeah. <laughs> Epcot's uh, parking lot. The ne- <laughs> no, the <laughs> next item I want to mention. Nothingness. <laughs> the Monorail new parking lot run- at the studios. You bastards! <laughs> Monorail running through the contemporary. Okay. And to me, what is so cool about this is everything we've talked about are are pretty cool things dealing with theme parks, but yep. with the monorail and the contemporary, they really created an iconic building that even outside of the context of theme parks is something that is recognizable around the entire world. And I can't imagine anyone. And if you're one of these people, do me a favor. Don't write in and tell me about it, please. I don't need that kind of stress in my life. We don't read emails anyway. It's I, fine. I, I can't imagine anyone who doesn't think it's cool. I mean, as as dated as some aspects of the contemporary are, and as I have never <laughs> ridden the monorail. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, when I when I hear about 
you know, I uh, this uh, various stories will come around from time to time. And since I've been following Disney, it's probably happened 10 times where some rumor gets starts to get legs that, you know, either the monorails are going to be completely renovated and expanded or equally as likely the rumor is that the monorails are going to be, you know, shut down and dismantled. Yep. But if you imagine the contemporary without the monorail going through it, that that's a non-starter. You know, I, I think yeah. the, the contemporary gets hurt more by removing completely. the monorails than anything else. It's just such a cool thing. It's such a unique thing. There's no one, no other place like it. And despite the rumors, uh, the Swan and Dolphin never intended to have them run right through the middle of them. What about it those dark a, windows? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> just, read, just read the interwebs. I'll tell you all about it. I, to me, it's not just WD, the coolest thing. Not WDW theme parks. Can't read that anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, so that's all. Just what a what a pleasing little special thing. And I had never actually stayed at the Contemporary until my honeymoon. And I decided that's – my wife and I decided that's where we wanted to go. And as a – however old I was, not a young whippersnapper, I, I remember getting up early like 6 o'clock in the morning. And, and I went up as high as I could and took photos of that thing going in and out of the building. And it was just – it was the kind of – innocent delight and just pure thrill of something neat that I hadn't had since I was a kid. And uh, just the fact that 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 combination of a transportation system and a hotel, which is really all it is, but you put them together and it's something greater than some of the parts that is, maybe it's nostalgia more than anything, but for me, it's just a really special thing that I, I hope is there for as long as I am. I like, I like that to be the first thing on a trip. A lot of times. That's how you know your trip started is when you go through there and then you take that turn and you're yeah. going in front of the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, baby. Uh, it, that to me, it, you know, I have videos of my kids when they were two, three, they're, you know, 14, 11 now. And them just going nuts when we go through the contemporary and then coming out of the contemporary and seeing the Magic Kingdom. Uh, you get you can you know, it's it's a very, very, very cool experience. No, yeah. it, it is a great reveal. And I know we mock Josh for those types of things, but that particular one, uh, in my defense, on, you mock me for lots more than that's that. That's fair, but we mock <laughs> each other. So it's all, it all works. It's, out. it's how we show our affection. <laughs> it, it definitely is a unique thing. And while you wouldn't necessarily think that it is uniquely Disney, it is, it uh, is. Like it, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, that, that was, that was a good one. Um, I had a bunch of nods to the past that I think we can probably lump a lot of these things in, but mm-hmm. I've got one that I'm almost certain is not on either of your lists, and that is the green army men walk around characters in Toy Story Land. And not the fact that they exist, but the detail on them. They the each <laughs> they, they have extensions to their shoes, like the toys yep. would have, to help them stand better. And if you ever had those Green Army Man toys, there, there was like a piece of plastic that would connect like eight or ten of them together. And yeah. you have to twist it off and it would leave like a little notch on their back. Each of the Green Army Man costumes has the equivalent of that little notch on the back as well. Which is just a, a detail that they didn't have to do. They could have just had guys in all Green Army fatigues with normal shoes. Uh, but they added that extra layer that... Toy Story Land gets crapped on quite a bit, and the Green Army Men existed prior to that. But I think that that is one of the cooler face characters in the parks. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that's Those pretty cool. Yeah, Ben, uh, what do you got? Uh, kind of going off of Josh's uh, hidden Mickey's. I'm a huge fan of you know we hate it when we lose an attraction for a new attraction. Mm-hmm. 
but I do love it whenever they put the nods to what. Yeah, uh, that's what I've yeah. got a long list of those. Is replaced the homage, uh, the homage, yeah. and and hunting and looking for those things. Uh, I, I love the Nautilus inside uh, the the tree at uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, uh, if you if you know sneak under there that. and seeing that. Um, but it, you know the deed. Uh, on the ground yeah, as well, Mr. Toad Toad Mr. Yep. Toad's deed. I love those little homages that they put to the previous attraction whenever they replace uh, something that, uh, you know, big or small. Uh, that's there. Yep. That they always seem to put a little something in there to to, to pay a little respect to the legacy that uh, that was on that land before it. There's a lot of those. I've, I've got a whole list of them. I don't know if you guys have them. I don't want to step on your toes there. Go for it. I didn't even have them on the list, but like I think of Horizons. There's the yeah, logo, the logo in, in yeah, the queue and. The yep. planter out front. This isn't really an homage, just that they didn't demolish it. But the planter out in front of uh, Mission Space is actually shaped like the show building was. Yep. But I love the. I, I agree with Ben. I, mean, I think you captured the sentiment well. Yeah. Some of the other ones in that list. Uh, Goofy's Barnstormer. The old sign was redone as a puzzle for the updated yeah. ride. Oh. There's an electric guitar riff from Universe of Energy and Cosmic Rewind uh, at the Anna and Elsa meet and greet. In Norway, there's a banner of the three trolls hanging up from Maelstrom. Yep. Uh, the little red figure at Trader Sam's Lost and Found is from Kilimanjaro Safaris. And then you mentioned Mr. Toad for Winnie the Pooh, but also Mr. Toad in the Pet Cemetery yeah. at Haunted yeah. Mansion. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's, there's a bunch of these. Those are just the ones that I came up with. But all those types of tributes uh, to really precious childhood memories is what it comes down to are, yep. Uh, yep. are cool things. So. Um, Josh, what other random transportation-related items do you have that you consider a uh, <laughs> a, a detail that you like? Well, I've I've actually got to defy you on this one. It's not transportation-related. I guess I think Neil boats transportation adjacent. It kind of it is the, the blessing of size itself. The whole idea of buying twenty-seven thousand acres. Why? Thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I so I guy absolutely. Talking about <laughs> so last year my wife and I moved into a different house because we didn't like the neighbors and it really, and we loved our old house and I really, really got a personal sense of how it must've felt (laughs) to build this charming sort of dream that you had in a place that was completely unbastardized and then have the world growing around you and spoil it. And I love that Walt Disney's response, like he didn't get mad. Like I got mad. Like it, I had an emotional breakdown, as you guys know. <laughs> you know, he was like, "Okay, fine." He took it as a lesson, and he said, "I can do better than this." And space and a buffer zone is part of what's going to allow me to create my magnum opus. And he, you know, very clever, cleverly, with a lot of lawyers and straw. And I call it people. the Reedy Creek Improvement District. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there. <laughs> You know, but that's part of it too, really. I mean, just the the incredible foresight as to what it would take not only to avoid the problems that he had at Disneyland, but also make sure that there was some protection from those things happening in the future. To me, is is a level of, I think part of what draws me so much to Disney is the degree to which Walt and his brothers collectively were able to be so artistically profound, but also so business savvy at the same time, and to synthesize those things. Uh, is remarkable. You just don't see it very often. Um, you know, you've got people like Steve Jobs that are, you know, very shrewd business wise, but they usually have this other person in the background. Like in that case, it was Steve Wozniak, and that's what made that company work. I think you can look at Eisner and Frank Wells the same way. 
those sort of duos or, or trios of people that are able to do these incredible things are amazing to me. And I think that the whole idea of secretly buying 27,000 acres of land, that is the right number, right? Um, you've got give me or, shook after my, t- after my TTA <laughs> debacle. Um, to me, that was just brilliant. And to anyone who's ever been to Walt Disney World, just driving on property, you know, out of the you know, metro busyness of Orlando, it's, it's transformational just driving onto property. It's, this is almost the reason I said it's almost transportation adjacent. It's the same kind of thing as the TTA. There's these layers of disconnection that Walt Disney World creates. And the first one is just driving onto property. I remember very specifically as a kid, when you drive onto property, it was just a little brown rectangle sign that said, welcome to Walt Disney World. And there was nothing around. It was just openness. Yeah. But it was just so different, even back then, from everything else. Just the road signs being a different color and the, the roads being freshly paved. Like everything was just cleaner Bring back and the purple road signs and nicer. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> Spell them correctly this time. <laughs> we've, we've had some issues with the past. Epoch. Um, jeez (laughs) let's just farm this out to India what could go wrong Um, but yeah to me that that to me is just an incredible thing and again I'll I'll sort of couch it in the same terms as the TTA and that there's no other park in the world you can go to that has that I will say uh, based you know for anybody wants to know more about what Josh has talked about there or anybody that's even following the court cases that are going on I um, make the same joke I was going to make I'm going to kill you go no <laughs> you, you can save the joke this is serious I just okay. recently read a book uh, it's called Buying Disney's World the story of how yep. Florida Swampland became the Walt Disney World by uh, Aaron it Goldberg too. it's fantastic read so it. yep. yep anybody Please wants read to it. know yep uh, get it on Amazon it's it's worth every penny it's a great great book and tells you everything uh, how this all came to be and and that whole process is the original hidden Mickey. I mean, yeah. I for yeah. land holdings. I mean, I mean, th- this sort of cuteness, Mojave uh, if, oil, that's a, that's right. if that's a fair way to describe it, it, it goes back to the beginning. And, and to me, it's just, it's such a crazy blending of lightheartedness and massively huge business moves. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I have any other example I can think of that, that, that is like that, where it's just, it, and you know, it, if you ever seen the construction walls, you know where they put up Disney quotes and, and Walt Disney quotes, and one of them is, you know, don't forget this was all started by a mouse. Yeah. I, I think that kind of gets to the heart of it. It's it is amazing to think that at the core of this incredible multinational business empire is just making people smile. Yep. Did you get the uh, quote incorrect from the <laughs> sign that was in Disneyland? <laughs> what was that? Did I just? No, it, on my it, tongue it all started with a mouse. Now it's fine. Oh, what is the actual? <laughs> Sorry, quote? don't eat yellow. Uh, stuff. I, I just navigated. <laughs> it's it's. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that it was all that it that it all started with a mouth uh, with, with yeah. a mouth with, with a, a mouth. Jeez, oh, <laughs> that's a different different company. <laughs> I, don't, I was I was trying to find what they did in Disneyland for it to be incorrect. <laughs> Ron Jeremy's company's slogan is "It all started with a mouth." Uh, if we can use uh, modern day uh, terms and uh, make this so that it's uh, inappropriate for the eighteen and under crowd or the the under eighteen crowd, it yeah, really is say. kind of the the, the biggest like like big dick energy move where they're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We've got this master master plan for and uh, initially the city that was going to be uh, uh, Epcot, and they did it all secretly. Like that could never be done today. In, in any way, shape, or form. And it also wasn't that long ago that they were able to do it, which yeah. is in itself very, very impressive. 
most of most of everything that I have left is back in the parks. I don't know if you guys have anything that are in the parks or more in kind of the vein of what Josh has been talking about. But uh, Ben, why don't you re- give your next my, one? My two remaining items are in the parks. Okay. Ben, what do you got? Uh, the cues for Expedition Everest and Collie River Rapids. They are excellent cues. They are ridiculously it, cool cues. Was there anything specific in cues? them or just kind of in general, just how great those cues are? Uh, it goes to that level and I guess the time of uh, when those attractions were built and the people Ben who- is hitting on all non-IP-based things. I don't know who the <laughs> hell this is, but right. I'm sure as shit not Ben. This is Body Snatcher type shit going on right here. <laughs> Ben, not uh, three times if you need us to send help. No, it goes to that time period of Animal Kingdom where it was just like, hey, Joe, we're building this. Go have fun. And he did. <laughs> and, and you know, he put a lot of money into the Yeti. Uh, he put a lot of money into that <laughs> attraction, but he, he put a ton of money into that queue as well. Uh it, it, the, the, the whole museum, again, is building lore, it, it building backstory that does it even, does it need it? The, you know, it, it's a it's a roller coaster through a through a mountain. Do we need a Yeti museum? Do we need uh you know s- the the stuff that they gave us throughout there the the shrine? Apparently, we don't the, even need a Yeti. <laughs> no, they don't need a Yeti. I don't know if it's there. Uh, but no, the, the, you know the, but the, the next I, episode's going to be called "You Should Have, But You Didn't." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we so this show does a lot of Joe Rody ball washing. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Wow, that's but, taking it to a level that I'm not sure you, I'm comfortable. You've, okay, you've I'm in. heard the term. You've heard, you've heard the term. Well, everyone likes there, clean there's, balls. A, there's a lot of Joe Rody appreciation on the show. There is that better? Is that more PG for you? <laughs> that's a lot better. I think by all definitions, that's a lot um, better. But the like what he uh, kind of got a, a pseudo bad rap for were things like those research trips to Nepal and Jakarta and wherever he went to. Uh, the reality is the cost of those things in the grand scheme of what Imagineering spends is is a blip on the radar. And his performance on pretty much everything he did, the park made it back in attendance boost. And like ever, you said Everest was an expensive attraction. It was $100 million. You know what was also $100 million six years later? Little Mermaid. Yeah. Which one was better? Just call yeah. it what it is. Mermaid. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and... In- uh, especially, especially on those two attractions, like just the taking it to the next level, because Kelly you know he he, suck, but. <laughs> he was responsible for the uh, Kilimanjaro Safari queue, and there's parts of that that I like, but there's also parts of that that are extremely boring. Yeah, there's not. You're also not standing still in the Kilimanjaro Safari's queue. Uh, usually, you can you, they're, they're, before the merge point, you definitely can with the uh, with with Genie Plus and the people coming in at the front now. Um, if you're standing in standby, but that's. It, 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 he definitely with with the next two attractions that came on after park open, uh, I think to you know, it just made things much more engaging. It made it, it th- those two cues. You have to go through those cues. You can't just skip them. You you don't have to do it necessarily every time. But the if cue for Cali's never, better than the ride. Yeah, if if it's like Tim, who's never gone to half the things at Disney World. I have um, never been to the Animal Kingdom. <laughs> you're missing a lot. <laughs> like, you've got to go through those cues to understand the story of what you're about to go experience. Yeah. Um. And and like I said, you don't have to do it every time, but if you've never done it, you're missing out a ton of things. And that's just in the line portion of the, of the attraction. I'm going to keep it in the Animal Kingdom and uh, <laughs> Pandora this time around. On the Floating Mountains... There is water staining, not where the waterfall is, but we're uh, at a different angle from where the water would have fallen before the floating mountains floated into the Valley of Moara. 
which was just a- another layer of detail in the rock work that was completely unnecessary, but they wanted to have the floating mountains in there, but also recognize that this particular valley is not the same gravitational pull as where these mountains floated in the movie. So they floated into this uh, valley and had waterfalls that emanated in a different or that, that fell in a different way. So just That's another cool. very small detail that nobody going there, unless had attention called to it, re- would really understand why that's there. But again, it. telling the nonlinear story. <laughs> Stay in there as well. Did they have to put a real audio animatronic inside that tube during the queue? No. Of the of no. the knob? Like, like, it's just like the little twitching, the little yeah. movement. They could have just had that be something floating in there. Exactly. But, no, but, but they, something they, mechanic. <laughs> you know, it probably cost 10 times as much uh, the, yeah. than what they could have done. No, no cost uh, spared. And seeing that is stunning like it's yeah. just a really really cool effect and, and it's also huge it's huge massive uh, it's a, and that's one of those things that we've never really gotten a lot of behind the scenes of how it works how it was put together that's i would love to know a lot more on what behind uh went on behind the design of that and uh you know how it functions yeah, yeah. josh uh, i know animal kingdom is your favorite park do you have anything in the animal kingdom uh, I lot. don't. Well, <laughs> no, I, I really don't. The Yeti parking lot. I love when they created that. They brought the story full circle. Sorry. <laughs> how how you can stand in front of the sign out front and make it say anal kingdom. Anal, anal kingdom. kingdom. <laughs> so that actually ties into Small my very detail. last one. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'll, I'll save that one until the end. I'm going to do another one first, which is only Magic Kingdom. <laughs> the end. Oh, it's only really the Magic Kingdom. And that is the Utilidors. Two O's. Second O's for savings. <laughs> Again, this is a, a thing that to me is a, a lesson learned from Disneyland. Didn't really need to do it. Um, although I don't know with the swamp land in Florida, maybe they actually did need to to jack the, the ground floor up a bit. But I think they had to. Yeah. I think there certainly was – they certainly didn't do the minimum viable solution to avoid the swamp. You know, they, they chose yeah, to yeah. build a pretty elaborate underground tunnel system in order to uh, – you know, I think it probably – makes employees' lives easier. It certainly enhances the experience for the guests. Just a pretty cool thing that, again, is synonymous with Disney. It's just when you hear Utilidors, you either think of an idiot who set up a website with the wrong URL or you think of (laughs) Walt Disney World. And I think that's pretty cool. Tim, have you ever been to the Utilidors? I have been in the Utilidors. Oh, my God. Damn it. You ruined my joke. But okay, go ahead. I have not been in the Utilidors. (laughs) It wasn't a good joke, so I'm not going to say it. Oh, jeez. This is the worst. <laughs> ben, how many more do you have left? I think Josh Josh has one. I got two more. What do you have? I have one. Uh, I just always loved what they did like on Main Street, and then they carried it over to Hollywood Studios, but just the windows down Main Street okay, and the yeah. and the respect they gave back to Imagineers, and not even all the respect. You know, Some of it's just references to uh, Disney history, uh, like the Holly Vermont reality uh window at hollywood studios referring back to the uh you know the small office that walton elm first had out in california like you, it, if you just walk by it you just see words they don't necessarily mean anything to you but if you actually like you know if you see those things up there google them because there's actually yeah. a story behind it and you can get lost into why that's there and and learn a lot uh so you know we we all have seen the stuff for the disney legends that makes sense i love all that stuff but uh everything's up there for a purpose and a reason. And if you just, you know, uh, uh, now with having everybody having phones in the park, it's really easy to just do a quick Google. Why is that there? And you'll be like, oh, that's what that's a reference to, or that's what that's a reference to. Uh, yeah. It's neat. I love that. 
I imagine that most of our listeners are either familiar with some of the anecdotes on the Keys to the Kingdom tour or have been on it themselves. But one of the things they explain uh, conceptually and whether this just kind of came to be part of that tour or was part of the original design was that you think of all of this like a movie. You mm-hmm. go onto the train tracks and you're seeing the coming attractions. Yep. Uh, it's you the, get reveal. the reveal. Yep. But you also have the credits, the opening credits up and down the main up and down main street on the windows. So all of that is really just again part of why we why we love this. And while we do crap on Disney, uh familiarity breeds contempt and a lot of this type of stuff, but there's still so much about it that we do enjoy and appreciate and part of the focus and reason why we wanted to do this show. Exactly. For those why- of you that are in new relationships, I would encourage you to take some of these lessons uh into your love life like we're gonna make love like do a good reveal have some foreshadowing like tell a story that way you know proper lighting helps actually yeah a good soundtrack is really important that way if you can't actually deliver the dick you know at least you gave her something to remember Uh, we need a the more you know drop we'll put that (laughs) (laughs) i do have that from the old fanboys days when we hit drop we'll find that I'll, i'll get it in here uh, not in Walt Disney World, but I think we talked about this on the show. The Beauty and the Beast attraction in Tokyo solved a problem that has kind of plagued the trackless ride system, and that was you got to see the ride path. You got to see the yeah. uh, the wheel lines uh, on the floor, and they didn't want to do an, an ornate floor because it would get scuffed up by those wheel lines of the trackless ride vehicles. So what Tokyo uses in the Beating the Beast attraction is a projection system from above that projects the floor onto the flat surface and it avoids the actual ride vehicles themselves because the projection system knows the path of the vehicles, but it basically creates the floor and yeah. hides the track, uh, the, the non-track, but the wheel scuff marks all over the floor. So solving yeah, a that. problem. And it's just, again, a, a great detail that, uh, the the biggest complaint I think that people have of those trackless rides is that you can kind of see those scuff marks in some spots. So, yeah, agreed. Josh, what do you have? Uh, so I have typography and fonts. Uh, you know, this is an area where I think Disney created a lot of did something very simple. And I my first recollection of it really is Epcot and the logo or the pavilion logos. Uh, but there's a very distinct font that Epcot used. And I could see any word in any context at any point, probably for the rest of my life that is in a even remotely similar font. And it makes me think of Epcot. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it was actually unique when they did it, or if it was just something off the shelf that I now associate with Epcot. But to me, that sort of when I think of the future, when I think of Epcot, I think of that font. And it's, uh, I mean, even the exit signs that they had in the park used it. There was just yeah. a, a large, a very significant or sincere commitment to consistency with glyphs and fonts and just how things looked. It was very cohesive. In Future World in particular, obviously World Showcase was the opposite of cohesive because it was a bunch of different countries. But in but in Future World, but there in was, the differentiation, it added cohesion. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, that the the whole way that they put all of that together to me was a masterpiece. And I think sometimes it's these little, uh, you know, you don't really think you're going to build a you know, multi, multi hundred million dollar theme park that it's going to be the the shape of a font that people are going to remember. But those tiny details matter and they accumulate 
collectively into something that shapes people's whole perception of what the thing is. So I think they just did a masterful job of that. And the fact that I have that font on my computer and sometimes <laughs> use it, I think speaks to my sincerity there. There are times where we criticize Disney for preying on familiarity, yet there are things like that that are familiar to, I guess, those in the know. Something that I've professed from a merchandise standpoint, you mentioned the Epcot logos themselves, that some of my favorite Disney shirts are ones that just have the Epcot Pavilion logos on them or a single Pavilion logo on them. And the reason why I like them is it doesn't say Disney. It doesn't say anything to anybody other than an Epcot fan. And that's the the appeal of that sort of thing to me. But to your point, you could use that font on a presentation for business and it really – it might bring down your anxiety around that presentation 2% and nobody in the room understands why. But that's something that is – Totally nonsensical, but completely makes sense to Disney fans. So, yep. Ben, you're up. The you know, kind of going off a of font. It's a little bit like that, but <laughs> uh, smell. Their use of smells mm. and their use of scents wasn't ever really done uh, anywhere, especially when it comes to immersive experiences uh, like they put on. But they, you know, you have sights, you have sound, but they the way they incorporate smell on attractions into resorts and the hotels. Uh, how many people do you know? that say like you know they that it's a certain smell that makes them remember something at Disney World it's it's when they yeah smell that smell in in a hotel lobby or on that certain attraction or going back to horizons the you know the orange groves and stuff like that that yeah it 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 definitely brings you back like you want the soren smell you want the horizon smell well, in the, the smell you know, of the contemporary lobby like yeah you're this yeah. is the strongest one on your list in my opinion That's, and, i can't believe i didn't think of it water Prior to, uh, yeah. you know, the confectionery on Main Street. Uh, also the- known as Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> <laughs> but you, there's only so many senses that you can get away with, especially well, at all. You know, you can't really do much touch. You can't do much taste. You do have, it's like you have sound. You can do it once. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but adding smell gives that third level to Definite any Pixar ad- joke there. There is. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, John add- Lasseter. <laughs> adding sense and smells takes that... Uh, you know, it at least covers three of the the, the, the five main senses, and uh, it can really put you in a place. It, that that's the thing that you know you feel like you're doing something, but when you add that smell for some reason, that's the thing that like makes you really feel like you are really there. We knock, uh, what the heck is his name, Zach Ridley, for the various terrain choices or, or flooring sample choices that he has. But we, you mentioned you can't really touch, you can't, you can't lick a lot of things. Um, except the glass door and rock and roller coaster and the honey wall and the Winnie the Pooh cube. But yeah, don't touch that, kids. But the, but some of the surfaces and you're feeling them with your shoes and whatnot. But they yeah, are they are they are textured, and that is important yeah. as well. Those that, types of things that matter. As, that asphalt and Dino Rama. <laughs> I was thinking this is more unique to say the Animal Kingdom and oh, parts okay. of uh, <laughs> parts of the Magic Kingdom where the pavement th- changes. What do, but what do you think has a higher kill rate? The Wall at Winnie the Pooh or uh, <laughs> Primeval World? I think the Wall at Winnie COVID. the Pooh. If you t- if you were to lick that, you would be immune from all communicable diseases. It would be like that episode <laughs> of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns can't die because he has like every disease known to man. Well, <laughs> it's the algebra of disease. They cancel each other out. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, I only had one more, and it's not anything profound, but I just thought it was a very cool detail. And that's in Smuggler's Run, the fact that the jetway buckles. I love that. And, I and absolutely love it's that. It's something small, but first off, every, you can't help but just jump up and down on it. Yep. But they didn't have to do that. It <laughs> nope. could have just been yeah. a, a steel jetway. But it buckles, and they had to design it in a way that it buckled. And it was probably it probably cost them six million dollars to do it because <laughs> that's what that's what Disney does. Like we need this to buckle all the time. Why? Because uh, we want to. And that's <laughs> if it buckled. If it buckled accidentally, it would cost them six million dollars to make it rigid. But if it's right. rigid, it would cost them six million dollars to make it buckle. <laughs> that's just how it works. It's capitalism. Do you guys, bitches. Do you guys have any more? I had one uh, more that was scrolled off the bottom of the page. It's a minor. Go for one. it. Go for it. it is the Pinocchio Village House and how it looks down on it. It's a small world. It's a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think you could probably. I, I, there's I'm one in Epcot that looks down on my. In my Magic land. Kingdom build out, they're both going away. But yeah, I, I like <laughs> that, that for now. That's an attraction for my family, by the way. The Sitting there by those okay. windows. Yeah, um, I mean, that's love fun. It. To me, yep. it's, it's, it's like. I don't know if it's like the voyeur in all of us that like. It's just fun <laughs> to look at an attraction. I don't know. There's something cool about that. Being able to look in on an attraction is is a neat thing. And I was going to put the one in Epcot that's in the land, but they changed the name of the restaurant so many. Is it? Is it? What is it? A good turn? Something. It, it was, that was about thirty <laughs> years ago. The last time you were in the parks. What's it called now? <laughs> now that you Dick. say that, I'm now I can only think of the good turn. What the hell is it called? Uh, yeah, Sunshine old too. Seasons is a quick service. Garden Grill. Thank you. <laughs> they couldn't even put. I mean, just that's just bad naming right there. Uh, yeah, but anyway, you I, like, I like You don't that. like alliteration? I, I do. <laughs> and there's a, a similar sort of thing, I guess, in the queue with uh, Splash Mountain. But I- any time where you can kind of look in on an attraction, I think yeah. it's a neat little thing to do. And I, I'd love to see them do more of that moving forward. I don't know the if I understand. Tron is a, yeah. a, a, a kind of okay. cool example of that. I haven't I got to experience that yet. No, if I told this story on here, but uh, my family was in the McDonald's business uh, growing up, and so with di- uh, you know McDonald's sponsored dinosaur, and so while I worked there, uh, I would show my dad's owner operator card and get to go up to the lounge upstairs, and oh. uh, you know it was nice. They had drinks, they had McDonald cookies, uh, they had little snacks, but the coolest thing in there was they had a window that looked down on dinosaur. That's cool. That you, you I. I can't even remember exactly which scene it was, and every time I ride it, I try to look. Yeah, I think it it's was probably, dark and loud. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I think it's probably blacked out now. But you get you, because I don't know if they even use that lounge anymore upstairs. But uh, we, you, I would love it. Go get some cookies and actually look down and watch those vehicles going by and watching the dinosaurs. Uh, you, there is something about being, you know, having that kind of god's eye view down on uh, a ride yeah. like that. That's really fun. is that lounge still there. I don't I know. So. I, I, it's it probably isn't a lounge for McDonald's I'm sure the anymore. Build, but yeah. I'm sure the room is still there, but is it like <laughs> like chair storage? Like, <laughs> like <ride>? Germany? <laughs> so, you know, exactly. as, the Rhine as, River chair storage experience. <laughs> as, if, if Dinosaur has no line, uh, as you walk up to it to where that point is for the uh, for Genie Plus or, you know, the scan in yeah, yeah. or to get in the regular yeah. queue, right behind that stanchion uh, is a green door. I believe it's still green. That was the entry point that if you, you for the uh, for the lounge, you would go through that door and go up a set of stairs, and you're on the second level above the entire ride. Cool. That's very cool. I love those things. Ben, I believe you're the only one that has uh, any of these left. So uh, bring us home. 
Uh, oh, my last one was just the uh, level of theming uh, and the money they put into uh, the new Top Gun Maverick attraction at DCA is <laughs> impressive. That's, I, it really is great. Really didn't have to go all out like that. They didn't have to tear down half of uh, uh, Cal- Green Californian, but uh, uh, I'm glad they went all out for it. Uh, we have neglected listener questions for quite some time, so we picked out the four. Because we don't have probably- listeners. That's also fair. We picked out, I think, the four best ones that we received over the last uh, year plus, and we're going to crank those out and maybe do some more listener question shows in the future. But this one uh, came to us last February. Uh, <laughs> we're way, we're totally on top of things. From, uh, from, from, from one Keegan McCann. Dear Josh, I know that the listeners Uh-oh. of the podcast may be disappointed that I didn't send a top five list in to win a box of stuff from Tim's basement, but that's purely <laughs> due to the fact that I don't like the show. However, I still I still submitted a list guy. in hopes to win a box to anger my parents. Top five questions to Marty called from Keegan McCann. One, what is the best lawn scene to use for an arid Southern California climate? Two, what is my guest when is my guest appearance gonna be on the hit podcast Marty called? Three, what are your opinions on turf? Four, what is a chapek? Is that some sort of fruit? And then uh, five, I got AirPod Pros the other day. Uh, I hope okay, to I like hit to- my quota of at least ten F words. So. Okay, I might, <laughs> I might have to ask for a refresher on these, but I really want to start with lawn. Okay. Keegan, I've got one word for you. It's nitrogen. It's all about nitrogen. What you want to do is go ask your local home center for as much nitrogen and fuel oil as they could sell you. And if you can speak in a foreign accent while you're doing it, that will make it even better. Um, <laughs> and I think you'll find the results speak for themselves with regard to that. So I think that answers questions one and three. What was question two? Uh, what is his appearance? Yeah, what is his guest appearance? As soon as he's released from Guantanamo Bay, he can come <laughs> on to the show. What was question four? Uh, what is a JPEG? No one knows, but I yeah. don't think it's any longer in the equation. Yeah. But it would apparently rub your knee pretty aggressively during a meeting. <laughs> I think you're confusing that with a Lassiter. <laughs> oh, yeah, my bad. Uh, this would bill you for Lassiter rubbing your knee during a meeting. Josh, what's Question the difference five. between the TTA and the TTC? Yeah, that's not my finest hour. <laughs> I think I have to call my neurologist. I think I'm deteriorating. I might have the Alzheimer's. That's also not what it's called. Um, well, how would I know? <laughs> next question comes from uh, Jason Matterer. Matterer than what? I don't know. Uh, wow. And this is a tip for Guardians. Hey, fellas, really appreciate the go- uh, the show. Good opinions and insight. Tip for y'all on Guardians of the Galaxy. When you enter the second pre-show, when you're beamed up, to- dude, spoiler alert, oh, sorry, to the uh, ship that the Guardians appear for for the first time, watch the pre-show from the far right side of the room. The view is good because the screens are on the front and left walls of the room. More importantly, the doors. People like me saying the word room, by the way. Uh, the doors that lead to the, <laughs> to the rides loading. Did you say yad? Yad. Uh, loading ramps <laughs> open on the right side of the pre-show room. By standing on the far right, you see the same thing as everybody in the room uh, while allowing you to scoot out and beat about 150 people to the ride at the end of the pre-show. I'd say it saved me five minutes or so on my second ride. Oh, great. Thanks. Now everybody's going to do it. For our What's tens that big of university near where you live? Me? Yeah. Uh, Harvard, MIT. Oh, you dick. Come on, say it correctly. All of the good ones? Have it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff right there. I, after the show, I have to tell you guys a story. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, next one, uh, we got Joe Nataro from Long Island. Tim, have you ever considered using your website? I should uh, acknowledge this was sent on October 23rd, 2022. Have you ever considered using your website uh, 
or your website for an extension of the podcast. That's how we wrote it. Back in the day when I was writing a blog, which is really just me talking to myself, I started something called Stuck on the Drawing Board, which was focused on ideas that never made it into Disney World at all. I eventually ran a few of them for Coreless, but so I kind of fully gave it up. What are your thoughts on possibly doing a Marty Called website that has articles about things that never happened where they might have been, how they might have showed up back or somewhere, and plans for new lands like you do on the show? I think it's a niche that no one really does, so people might talk about it from time to time. Uh, Tim, can't run a we- Tim can't run a website that talks about things that did, let alone things that never did. So I closed my <laughs> site four days after this email. So uh, Joe, Joe is to blame for that he never, or, he never, or to thank, depending on your perspective. He never got around to water parks. What makes you think he's going to get around to unbuilt attractions? Yeah, what this I sounds love like a this, lot of work for Tim. That's what this, this sounds This listener like. right now is being redirected to the Spirit Halloween website and doesn't know why. <laughs> Josh made that graphic for WDW theme parks when I announced the closure. <laughs> Hacked copy of Photoshop, bitches. Yep. Just kidding. And as I said, okay. these, these are the best questions we received over the last year. Oh, God. Uh, this one uh, comes from Brian Lubis, the subject of which is all corn diet. Hi, Tim. Per your request, here's my question. If you were to eat a diet of all corn, literally nothing but corn for two weeks, would you poop out a corn payday bar or would you have a corn BB gun ass? Marty called wants corn. Hmm. Josh, I think you're probably going to be the one to excel here. Well, I actually feel like it's an important question that deserves to be given some serious thought. And I'm going to refer to a meme I've seen lately as, have we tried popping foods other than corn or did we just stop there? Because, I mean, <laughs> popcorn I feel is pretty like delicious, though. I mean, it really is. I mean, what else might we be able to pop? Cherries. We've popped corn <laughs> and that girl from Willy Wonka's that wore purple. Yeah. I, Veruca? Uh, Violet. <laughs> Violet. Violet. Oh, yeah. Oh. Veruca, sweetheart. Stop eating the snowsberries. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think that if you did eat corn exclusively as a diet, the evidence would be very evident the next morning <laughs> in the bowl. One of the funniest text messages, messages I ever received was a total non sequitur from my buddy Jim. Uh, wasn't having an active conversation with him. And he just said, that's funny. I don't remember eating corn. <laughs> it's true. I, I have a similar issue with asparagus. You're like, oh my god, I'm dying. Nope, I had asparagus for that overcut. I believe that was an Adam Carolla thing on Beats that he needs a he wanted to patent a bracelet to remind you that you ate Beats. <laughs> so that you didn't think you were you drive yourself to the emergency room. Yeah, Beats, I don't whatever is in that coloring does not get broken down by the body, that I can tell you. No, definitely not. I think as we uh, go into the scatological humor, that's probably our cue to leave. So if you have any questions or topic ideas... Save that for Park Cheese Lounge. <laughs> you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. Scat called. Watch TP. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water. Josh, are you online now? Truth show. Yeah, I'm at the. I'm still at the Utilidar spelled wrong. Two O's. There was some suggestions. I, I don't know if I'm on episode two of Park Cheese Lounge for show, uh, shirt ideas that you need to get on. You got to uh, add some of these dumber ideas, like uh, Gary's "If You Had Legs" concept. Yeah, that was actually on my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> Gary doesn't can, have legs. No, he does not. Oh. I'm actually. I want to write a song to go with it. So that's what's taking a while on that one. Speaking of songs, our show close this, uh, this evening will be a ChatGPT-created theme song, sung by one uh, Sir Benjamin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under the username at InfernoBarge. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Good night, everybody. 
Didn't Gary lose his legs on the TTC? knowledge vast they give us joy that forever lasts the Disney magic that is always true thank you Marty Call we love you what would we do baby without these three they bring us magic in Disney history from coast to coast, they're the ones we need. Tim, Josh, and Skipper Ben, they're our family. Sha na na na. 